0: Welcome to the Great Lakes Gear podcast, where we dive into the minds of smart and strong individuals and shed light on the ways to keep your body a well functioning one. My name is Colin Lake. This is our first Great Lakes Gear podcast. This is a podcast to help people improve the knowledge they have to help improve strength by using the tools that we believe in steel clubs, maces, and of course, kettleballs. I'm a strong first elite instructor. I've coached clients for 10 years switching careers now I am the owner of Great Lakes gear and that consumes all my bandwidth. This is a podcast to pick the brains of smart and knowledgeable individuals uh, about their experience with strength. I'm very excited to kick this podcast off with Mark Rifkind. Um did I butcher your last name? How do you
1: no it's Rifkin.
0: Rifkin. But it's close okay. all right most perfect. people
1: get rifkind or riff yeah it's it's Rifkin but it's close enough for government work, man. No problem.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you are a strong first, uh, inst- uh master instructor, top level yes. and uh, bodybuilder and powder lifter. Um, you have quite the, uh, the rap sheet there for, uh, definitely should have said he has the quite the fitness career, <laughs> not the rap sheet. After I
1: did gymnastics from I did four years in high school and, uh, almost four years in college and I, I blew out my shoulder. So after I uh, got hurt in gymnastics in college, I couldn't use my upper body. So that's when I started running, okay. and, um, I still went, was running and I was running, and I was hoping that after gymnastics career is over, I was I really plan to go to the Olympics. So I was really trying to get to the Olympics some way. So I thought I might be able to run my way there. But I realized I was a turtle so it <laughs> wasn't going to happen with running so I ended up trying to think you know ultra marathons and then that evolved into triathlon training mainly because at the time this is 1977 there really were this that was the year of the first Ironman triathlon which was kind of a thrown together you know that that whole thing started off of a bet in a bar um, so those guys just you know put that race together but it, it sounded like something I might be able to do so I started training for that and then i did that i did ultra training for a couple years and then got back into uh then i got into bodybuilding so that was it went gymnastics ultras uh, bodybuilding and then did that for uh eight years uh training competing for eight years and then ended up going into uh, powerlifting and that was 13 years
0: it's interesting so uh did you have any major injuries while uh training for the marathons and the ultras that's uh
1: no this is I, I blew out my knee when i was in high school my junior year and had two surgeries uh i'm sorry i had one surgery in in there and then semi recovered from that and then did college and then blew out my shoulder and after my knee surgery it was like you know I'm done with blowing joints out. So I, the running was fine, actually. Running in the ultra training was really, that didn't didn't mess with my body much at all. Same with bodybuilding. It's when powerlifting, and I was good for powerlifting for a long time. I mean, I competed and trained hard for, for 13 years. It wasn't until the very end I had a back injury, which is about as common as you can get in powerlifting. You try to find a powerlifter without a back injury, you're going to be looking a long time. Um but but mainly after that, it was like uh, I got really tired. Well, I I mean I had my knee injury, and then my and about that time my knee was really doing poorly. My shoulder was hurt, and then my back injury. So I was kind of checkmated with what I could do after that back injury. And that's when I found the kettlebell. Um, yeah, so that's that's how that evolved.
0: That uh, that was going to be a question for you for coming up uh, is when when did you get introduced to the kettlebell, and and uh, what were your would that have been? How long have you been uh, using the kettlebell for?
1: Well, it, it's interesting. Um, um, I did a lot of writing as I was a freelance journalist. Um, so I, I actually did an article I wrote for a, a magazine called Milo Magazine. It was a strength journal. And yep. <laughs> Allergies. Um, and in 1998, I wrote, uh, and I had been in powerlifting for a long time. And you know, it's like everything else. There's so much politics in powerlifting. And I was just kind of yearning for something primitive and basic and no judges. I hated judges. I mean, gymnastic judges, I always say any sport with a judge sucks. I mean, you know, a race is a race. The guy crosses the finish line first. That's the winner, something simple. And a a good friend of mine was five time world Highland games champion. And he trained at our gym. Um, and he, uh, he had a competition, a stone throwing competition. So we, he showed me how to throw stones. And I wrote an article um, called "Stones in the Afternoon," and that was for Milo because they were big into rock lifting and stone lifting and stuff like that. And in that article in 1998 was Pavel's first article on kettlebells, vodka, pickle juice, and kettlebells. Mm-hmm. And I read it. And I was like, "Oh man, this this sounds great." You know, this is, it's a ca- cannonball with a handle. It's and and you got to remember back then there were no kettlebells in 1998. Um, iron mine actually had a plate loaded kettlebell which is like kind of a bent tube handle with a adjustable plate but it wasn't very sexy and nobody was doing it um and the Pobble's article sounded like really cool because it just was this you know i'd always wanted to be an olympic lifter but between my shoulders and my knee and my back there was there's no way around there's no it wasn't happening so um he in the beginning kettlebells was like the uh the people's weightlifting, right? Olympic lifting. you didn't need fancy equipment, didn't, you know, snatch and clean and jerk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, i was like, oh, maybe I can do this with one bell. And um, first bells came out in I think 2000, I got one in 2001 and I actually got it. I was personal training. So that's been training people for a couple of years, full-time in uh, 2000 and I got it for my clients because I didn't want to put a barbell on most of my clients' backs because they're older people. They weren't really savvy as far as their body sense. I thought, oh, great. And you know, I've been using dumbbells, like goblet squats with a dumbbell and deadlifts holding a dumbbell. And it didn't really It wasn't it wasn't ideal. It was OK. So I thought was a weight with a center handle perfect for my uh, clients. So I got it and I started playing with it. And the first thing I, I realized when I was swinging it, um, I could snatch it right away because so this is like gymnastics. This is like rings or swinging around high bar. So I took to it right away and I fell in love with it. And at the time I was pretty my back was pretty jacked up. I couldn't really do much. Uh bench, I, could I couldn't do any squats or deadlifts. Yeah, there you go. Cheers. Um so the I started doing mainly one arm swings and it really made my back better.
0: I was, and the I was, to ask was really- yeah, I see you doing a lot of single arm swings. <laughs> Well, there, there's a reason for that. Is like um, coming off my
1: back injury and all the gymnastics. I was so asymmetrical, asymmetrical, right? I only twisted one way. I had I had a really bad knee injury on my left, so I was really torqued. You know, I couldn't really sit square and things. So squat any bilateral exercises, squats or deadlifts, really didn't feel good. And and two hand swings ended up being like that, you know, because it was too symmetrical.
0: Yeah. So the one arm
1: yeah. swing and the That's snatch really because it was Sorry, that's really interesting. It's you know it is interesting, and I found it to be very interesting with my clients as well because there's it it some people do really well. The most symmetrical people do really love the two hand swing because they're symmetrical, and they apply force evenly. But if people have injuries, back injuries, if they're imbalanced in terms of left to right, they do better with one arm swings mm-hmm. uh, because it's because it's asymmetrical. It tends to build symmetry because it works one side more than the other and you can build some asymmetric sure. you can build the symmetrical strength from the asymmetrical workloads so
0: yeah, interesting um I, w- I had a question in here um i have played around with like offsetting your feet and then you can kind of pull that uh that hip into rotation so if mm-hmm. you're on your, uh if, if you didn't feel like you're catching uh the arm uh, on the inside of the leg on the backswing very well um you could move your left foot ahead and then you're you're you'd be able to catch it a little bit easier because you're sucking kind of that rotation um so uh let me explain that a little bit better so you got you're standing nice and square you're doing a single arm swing on your right hand side you're catching it uh it, it feels okay you do it on the left side feels wicked feels amazing feels very snappy and you're catching it very easily so you would think that you would be rotated with your lower body to the right. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you were to move your right leg ahead, just slightly, it'll catch the arm on the inside of the leg a little bit uh, more evenly on the, on the right side. Do you ever play around with uh, foot position? um, I
1: I don't because it, it, it scared me to be honest. I mean, I was already so torqued. I didn't really know what was right. And even though, Like you said my right side my right arm hits differently at lower position than my left never bothered me so i didn't mess with it but it's interesting because like my wife does a lot of um, uh, kettlebell sport gs and she's adopted uh in gs lately i don't know if it's just lately but they have like just that offset foot and like they'll snatch like that and they'll snatch facing one side more than the other and I don't know of how that evolved, but it doesn't seem to bother her at all. I see a lot of other top GS people doing that.
0: Yeah, like I've been – art style has got – was ingrained in me for a bit. and I was keeping everything really square everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been uh, playing around with uh, different positions and, and pulling things out. I I, uh, I wanted to become a professional soccer player way late in the game. Like I was like 20, 21. Yeah. Mm-hmm actually got hit by a, a vehicle and had a, a large uh, laceration on my shoulder. Anyway, I got a lawsuit out of it, took some uh, some time off and wanted to become a professional soccer player. So I played a lot of soccer and it kicked mm-hmm. a lot and I trained myself and didn't train very evenly when I was very young.
1: Yeah, it happens.
0: Yeah. Like a lot of uh, dominant kicking with the right leg. So a lot of uh, repetition and and uh, it, it really, when I started using the kettlebell initially, how I, Found it. Uh, I was personal training uh, at Good Life about ten years ago, and I had uh, a gentleman come in and uh, just teach us some kettlebell movements. And I couldn't get it. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, I'm fairly good with catching on to things, and I can. Uh, I'm fairly athletic, and and I can I can do uh, what I put my mind to, but I just couldn't get it. And uh, interesting, think- huh? Yeah, it was and I, when you, you said it, I was snatching it like that. I'm like, man, you bastard. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you just picked it up like that? I, I really had to work for it, but it frustrated me. Um, but it's something that I can't get. It, uh, made me really want to get it more. So, and that's what I really liked about it. I had, uh, I've had some, uh, some serious injuries myself, um, torn MCL, I had AFI on my mm-hmm. hip and, uh, I was supposed to get uh, surgery for the, the hernia there. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually ended up doing just a lot of breath work uh, and a lot of mobility in my hips a lot of breath work like holding deep squats and forcing mm-hmm. the air deep down into my my pelvic region mm-hmm. and I found that has uh, has done wonders and I don't have that, that radiating pain and I haven't had a surgery yet so I'm free pretty- yeah there's a lot of ways
1: you know people don't you know if you want to put the time in there's a lot of ways that you can find to heal yourself but
0: you have to yeah. put a lot
1: of thought into it. Most people don't want to think about it or experiment that much.
0: It's true. I had a like I've spent quite a bit of money on continuing education. I never went to like a university or college for this, uh, but um, I've had probably coached about twenty thousand hours of clients and, mm-hmm. and really worked on it on. A a lot. Yeah, it, it was it was quite a bit, um, but uh, I've been really working on. Uh, on fixing myself and, and fixing a lot of people so it's uh it's just very interesting um it, but you're absolutely right there it, you need to have the knowledge and and or the coaching and, and have to put the time into it the time is a big thing and well they're actually all really big things you need to yeah. know how to fix it and then or be uh, willing have to... to experiment you know be willing to
1: experiment and be willing to think deeply about it and you know not give up when things don't work out quickly yeah. or easily. you know
0: well i uh I did an extensive amount of cardio and training and I just never focused on my breath work. And I, mm-hmm. I found like, I obviously did, it wasn't very balanced uh, from left to right. Um, just because of that constant kicking with sure. the right side. And obviously that's going to be jacked up and constantly kind of stuck in flat, like wanting to be stuck in flexion. The head mm-hmm. of my, feet is probably going to be pulled forward sure. uh, and all that stuff and causing all that, that nice stuff. But, uh, yeah, self care. Uh, I'm sure you're uh, a man that's done a lot of that. Uh, how has self care changed over the years? Uh, the time that you kind of put into it, like, Boy, I guess that's probably, an interesting,
1: interesting it, it question.
0: Probably, it it probably changes as it uh, fluctuates as your needs and what you're doing. I'm, well, know, you know, it's like there know. was none
1: in you know when I got hurt in '74 uh, when I had, uh, I had two knee injuries basically, and you know, within six months I can. Landed a, a tumbling move with my knee locked and really compressed the cartilage, and then a couple months later, I basically had a full dislocation of my knee. And they casted it, and surgery did surgery. And then when I got out, there was really no physical therapy, um, and there was no um, there was no strength training, there was no real rehab. There's really no corrective. And corrective exercise is really new, right? Paul Check was really the the father of that, and that was in the early '90s. Um, up until then, it was basically an ice pack, heat pack. Um, it was it, it was uh, primitive, to say the least, which is one of the reasons I never had my shoulder fixed, because I knew they couldn't do anything. Um, and I went to a Big Ten University on full scholarship and they did like I came with this bad knee injury. Bless you uh, uh, with this bad knee injury. And I never ran. I never did leg strength. I never did stairs. They just, you know, gymnastics back then was primitive as well. I mean, basically you just did gymnastics. Mm-hmm. there was progressions were just non-existent you just kind of chuck things and just try things and just um so there wasn't any self-care until i discovered it um my knees started really going south in the early 90s and that's when i discovered paul Check. um and paul's basically the, the the founding father of functional fitness i mean up until paul Check in the 90s everything was bodybuilding i mean mm-hmm. literally his world gym gold gym you know stallone and arnold and, and all those guys in the movies everybody every fitness thing was bodybuilding and then paul check was like you know get off the bench stand on your feet you know you know you know primal pattern squat bench lunge not squat bench you know squat lunge push pull bend twist gate yeah and then he he went into the whole science of abdominal care and i took a bunch of courses with him i learned so much about you know rehabbing spine and, and balancing the body with asymmetrical training and things like that so he was the one that really got me started on understanding the deeper levels um and how to use i mean he was the first one to use foam roller um so I know that. oh yeah paul check was the first guy in the industry to popularize the foam roller as well as the stability ball i mean until check came out there was no stability balls i mean they were swiss balls They were using physiotherapy, but he was the one that popularized it, how to train with it, how to train your abs with it, how to train on it. And that was a big part of my back rehab was I used to squat on Swiss balls and do kneel on Swiss balls and do sit on Swiss balls and do everything to balance, to work, to to bring out that deep uh, inner core, the multifidi and all those deep spinal stabilizers that I had no idea about. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was the one that really got me going with that. And then when I got into powerlifting with Westside Barbell and Louis Simmons, and Louis was another genius in terms of rehab because he had broken his back. And that's where the whole reverse hyper came in. So both those guys were really instrumental in me learning how to take care of myself and realizing that you can um, not always fix yourself. I mean, I needed a knee replacement. There's no there's no fixing that knee at a certain point. So, you know, at a certain point, surgery is a good thing for sure
0: at some but point. you have to,
1: you know, balance out the musculatures, balance out the joints, all those things. So, um, that's what really got me into learning how to develop a routine for balancing, stabilize my body. And then I developed the course, I don't know if you're familiar with the my body maintenance course.
0: Yeah. I'm uh, very intrigued about it.
1: Yeah. Body maintenance, um, was just, a, a, it just came out of just learning how to do, um, Understand what uh the Czechoslovakian physical therapist Vladimir Yanda, who I heard about from Paul Czech, was the concept of length tension relationships. So, real short, you have, you know, phasic muscles and tonic muscles or fast twitch and slow twitch muscles. And the, the tonic muscles, the postural stabilizers, they're literally, you know, they they're you flip their switch, they contract all the time. So they're all tend to be short and tight and the state the phasic muscles you know your triceps your glutes your quadriceps your middle traps they're really hard to get to activate so Yanda's philosophy was if it was you know the tight muscles you stretch them first and you activate the the the, the weaker muscles the opposite side of the joint and his whole thing was balance out the the resting level of tone on the muscle so, so kind of
0: like sorry could you continue on
1: oh yeah i mean so, you know, you want to be in neutral. And that was a big Paul Check concept. You know, drop a plumb line and have somebody stand on the plumb line, and, you know, their heads forward and their backs yeah, forward. Yeah. They're not straight. They're not plumb.
0: So it's working on joint centration and trying to get uh, exactly. everything as, as even as possible, even length tension relationships. Uh, right. Work on kind of that reciprocal inhibition. Uh, exactly. Like all those upper, concepts. Upper cross stuff happening, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have to be. That's all Vladimir Yanga. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna and have then
1: to Paul via via Check. The
0: open things up.
1: Exactly. And get so that I got that via Paul Check. And then I started putting together a program for myself based on how I unlocked myself. And I came up with very specific exercises and stretches that I did. And it evolved into this, this uh I did a seminar. This is an eight-hour seminar. Um, I taught it three or four times. I did it in England, I did it here in San Jose. And then end up uh, filming it in when the one we did in San Jose and cutting it into basically a, um, a three hour deep downloadable DVD with a 40 page manual. That's so awesome. yeah, I love it. I still use it. I use it every it's day. Not the not a lot of
0: useful information out there. Like there's, well, there, if there is, if you go and look at the right places, there's hard, mm-hmm. hard it's hard to find somebody that you want to follow and trust. Um, but, uh. Like Kelly Starrett and I love uh, Starrett. I mean, yeah. Starrett's had a big,
1: big influence on me.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for from for me too. I, I saw you doing a video uh, th- I think yesterday with uh, your split squats. And you're just using the Voodoo Floss there.
1: Right. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I've been using Voodoo Floss forever, and I just started using it with you know for the the uh, the ATG stuff and the and the split squats. But I use it. I've used it for years. I. It just works you know hence the voodoo i don't like quite i mean i kind of understand why but it just works so i use it but the whole body maintenance thing was uh, i wanted to develop um basically it's an assessment it's a it's a morning assessment so from nose to toes you know i do a certain amount of stretches and movements that tell me like where's my symmetry today is my you know am i rotating left am i rotating right am i stuck in flexion? those types of things
0: you gotta map it out and then uh Based on that, do you uh, ha, uh, assign kind of different times for different? Uh, based on your assessment, do you spend more time in one area than? than oh sure. Like
1: if I'll get up, you know, I'll start off my day with back bends over stability ball. It depends how tight my abs are. You know, I will. You know, I'll go with my back bends and I'll do foam rolling and I'll do certain stretches and I'll see, am I am I asymmetrical front to back? Am I asymmetrical left to right? And I'll just basically I'm looking to square myself as square as I can before I start the day, or before I start loading my body, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to do heavy swings or I'm going to do heavy presses, I want to make sure, you know, I'm as close to symmetrically even as I know my body can be.
0: Do you ever use pressure plates?
1: Pressure plates
0: uh for scanning your foot load and your center of mass?
1: No, I, I mean I've used them before. I don't use them daily. Yeah, you don't I-
0: need that. You can do. Your, uh, you can figure it out by by body senses. Yeah. I was just um, the first person that. I- uh, brought that up to me, I think was uh, guy Gary Ward from Anatomy Motion. Do you ever mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool um, that movement and uh, that his whole um, philosophy behind movement is uh, got me. Uh, well, I think it helped me a lot with my MCL tear actually. Sure. Uh, I don't know, like my my physio said to me, she, he's like, okay, like don't ever let your knee come in, and like I just came from doing that course. And I'm like, well, your knee is designed to go come in. in. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, your knee well, it's is- the
1: same thing with this knees over toe guy. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, how many years in the, in the field, everybody said, you know, it's a crime to let your knees go over your toes yeah. and now it's like, if it doesn't, it's dysfunctional. Now we know that.
0: <laughs> so what about, um, like if you see an Olympic lifter and like, they just like PR and they almost bail on it and you see the knee cave in, um, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, means- absolutely. Yeah. People yeah. And it doesn't hurt that. them. Like, they come up out of it and like, they're good to go. Like what's your kind of two cents on that? Cause that no, means- the
1: thing is there's a difference between what, what you will call a, a, valgus collapse where they collapse from their ankles and knee and internal rotation and adduction of the, in the femur. Now, what most people don't understand is that the hamstring can be an ad, a hip extensor when you adduct the leg. So what they're doing is they're coming up, is they're bringing their knees in and that's helping their hips finish the adduction. You that's see cool. they'll bring their knees in, they'll come in, but they're coming in from their knees. They're not collapsing. They're not collapsing from their arch. So valgus yeah. collapses is bad. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. bad. Um, the, here's the thing also. When you see every one of the best in a sport do something, it's usually right. Whether people believe it's right or not. Like You see the best, a guy set a world record, and he'll do this deduction as they're coming out of a, you know, world record clean and jerk. I mean, world record front squat for his clean and jerk. How wrong could that be? Right. I mean, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's a now, gold medal record holder, gold medal winner and a record holder.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I liked, uh, and I do that with, like, I, I like my Turkish getups. And, mm-hmm. uh, I look at a lot of, uh, people like that are really strong with the Turkish getup. And I look at kind of, uh, reverse engineer how the heck they're doing that thing right um so a lot of it like a lot a lot of people teach to get up and they don't want the knee to come in but if you're looking at a lot of people with uh with a heavier get up then the knee does come in everybody
1: does that i mean one thing yeah. you sit on your butt when that knee comes in the knee doesn't really play a part it's nuts i mean i could go we we went through the you know turkish get-up was you know there's a lot of stuff about the getup that, you know, I have a long history with the getup with RKC and then strong first. And that thing has evolved. You know, one thing you got to be careful about, you know, like is, I've been doing this for 50 years. I mean, literally in the fitness field, this is the only thing I've ever done, was basically training coach. So 50 years in this field, and I've seen it come and go, every trend, every fashion, you know, and every every admonition about what to do and what not to do. And the fitness field is, is, is as is, um, prone to fashion and trends as any other field. So for the longest time, remember the high bridge? Yeah. Yeah. What's the high bridge about? I mean, the high bridge was just, you know, that made no sense. I mean, yeah, it's, you don't need it, it's it. a good assessment, but nobody's going to do that in the middle of a, you know, a, a 60 kilo getup. You're not going to stick your butt, your hip is high in there to show you that you can. You get enough clearance to sweep your leg. So, I mean... I argued against the high bridge when we were in RKC for years, because it didn't make any sense to me. Why, why is that a teaching point? Why is that a, a technique point? You know, the get up too, it's like, let's not forget the te- the get up is not a, a kettlebell movement. Okay. Yeah, you, it's not pe- you can do a get up, get up at yeah. anything. It's and, true. And Steve Maxwell showed, you know, Pavel the get up. Um, Cause it was basically a jujitsu move as a wrestling move. It's, it goes back forever. You know, the whole thing was like, if you could do a get up with hundred pounds, you could train with these wrestlers or some, some, some. Yeah, I remember, I
0: remember hearing something about that and it's probably and it's a cool awesome. story
1: and it's a cool story and it may or may not be true, but it's, the point is, is like, there's only a couple things that are truly kettlebell movements. And that's basically, you know, cleans, snatches and swings, because they're the only thing you really need a kettlebell, not uh, swings. Yeah. The only thing you really need a kettlebell for. You can press with anything. You can squat with anything. You can do a windmill with anything. But the pure, basically, you know, the, the essence of kettlebell training was always snatches and jerks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this call again up a kettlebell movement is uh, is disingenuous to me. It's like, it, you know, it became part of the kettlebell world and it's a cool movement. I particularly don't like them. I never could do them because combination between my knee injury and my shoulder injury. Fair um, enough. I did them for years and they like, here's the thing. People say do get-ups your shoulders you'll get more mobile. That's not necessarily true. If no. you have mobile shoulders, a get-up's easy. If you have terrible shoulders, get-up's really hard. I've never seen—well, not never, but almost never seen people train the get-up and have it improve their shoulder mobility. I just don't see it. You have to do other correctives. Yeah,
0: no, I agree with you there. Oh, yeah. yeah, and a lot of it, like shitty shoulders. Uh, excuse my language, or uh, can be like forward head carriage, right, or something. Another something else that's going on, and like right, keep, and usually yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. So if you keep going after the shoulder, it's not uh, the root, of the problem. Yeah, and then you're the T spine or the
1: lat, or there's yeah. a million different reasons shoulders exactly. are injured. I mean, my shoulder was injured, you know, from gymnastics, and it's there's, you know, I never, I should have had it surgery, I should have had a surgery on it, but I didn't. So there's a lot of there's a lot of missing parts in my right shoulder. That's, oh, why, that's why I that's 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 press the way I press. Like I can't press all the way like locked elbows straight back so my press is kind of you know my version of what i can do that doesn't hurt yep for but, sure. but i mean i'm not going you know it's like you do with you do what you what you can with what you have
0: yeah well if you look at granville too granville mayors and when he's pressing like he's not like he, he's not oh quite yeah i know his arm, but that man is very strong. very strong yeah he's exactly. athletic you've
1: seen him jump right
0: yeah absolutely yeah he's a really athletic uh yeah so there's
1: i mean i've always had to make do with you know this i i you know i got hurt when i was 17. so it's like i always had to jury rig everything i've done because i've worked had to work around injuries It's either work around injuries or sit on the couch and watch tv i wasn't going to do that
0: it's interesting i got when i was 21 i got hit by a um, car and uh, my my shoulder went into the windshield and i had about 40 stitches up here um and it's right above the ac joint and it feels like sometimes, like earlier on in my uh, my life, it felt like my, my arm wasn't part of my body. Yeah, and, I know that and, feeling. Yeah, for sure, it, It's it just a, it feels like there's a bit of a disconnect there. Um, but I've really trained with it, I've used a lot of Indian clubs, I'm not sure if you use sure. Indian clubs, but I uh, found out that they've helped out a lot. I, at the beginning of my fitness career, I started doing a lot of self myofascial release with the balls, and doing a lot yeah, of training, a lot of traction, oscill- oscillation, circumduction, a lot of mm-hmm. different stuff like that. And then I started doing a lot of, uh, well, I got into like aldoas, like in the length of the spine and all yeah. that stuff. And then I uh, did a whole bunch of anatomy, emotion stuff, which is essentially like using your body to like pull your alignment back into place. So you're just. Uh, yeah, I
1: call body maintenance what I do in, in one sense, reverse chiropractic.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: there's a chiropractor will, you know, adjust the bones to re- release the tension in the muscle. I try to release the tension in the muscle to create alignment in the bones. Yeah, That's there's exactly. many roads to roam, man. The main thing is, yep. you know, you, you you go through the things you and I have, you end up with a lot of tools in the toolbox because every yep. client right, is not going to respond to the same thing. Like you try this, that doesn't work, but if you only got one or two tools. You know what they say, if everything, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I got a lot of different tools and I'm like, OK, that doesn't work. Let's try this. That doesn't work. Let's try, Oh, this one works for you. I'm not trying to I think a lot of things uh, trainers try to do is, you know, try to find concepts, methods that work for everybody at all times. Instead of saying like client A needs this and client A has these parameters of issues. Let's figure out how to get client A back on the back on the field, back in the gym, back to the paint. paint. Mm-hmm. Now that may not work at all for client B or client C or anybody else but client A. But does it matter? All it matters is you 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 know how to help client A, and then you apply a different set of principles for everybody else, and you go from there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's uh, well. I'm very interested in the in the course that you have. I'm going to have to chat. I'll send you I'll send you
1: a a, um, a copy of the the manual.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely love to take a look at yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's it's
1: a you know. It, it's it's actually it is a manual it, it's 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 not great reading but it's a manual <laughs> yeah and it's tech, it has regressions and progressions and if this then that and if that then this and this is how you apply it so that's really i'm, I'm pretty happy with it
0: that's what people that should be in schools like right really, like that's how you maintain your body for life right uh, oh no
1: literally body for life is, is exactly it's like how to self-care
0: yeah, exactly. I'm a big into self care. I've over the last year, I've had a very hectic last year and a half, um, but uh, things are kind of stabilizing slightly, and uh, I'm uh, finally getting some more work life balance and getting mm-hmm. getting more self care eh, for myself, which is amazing. Um, that right now, well, currently, uh, how much maintenance are you doing? Uh, so, like for example, yesterday's workout, how much uh, mobility work would you do, if any?
1: yeah well my it, i'm pretty straightforward with how i approach it now i mean it's the first thing i do every morning so i get up you know i have my coffee and i, I basically go through as depends sometimes it's 10 minutes sometimes it's 20 minutes my body maintenance routine yeah. i have a series of stretches that i do and a series of foam roll work assessments that i do and i, I basically check things out and see what needs care that day so this last eight weeks i've been dealing with a, um, a right calf hamstring issue from my rucking because i do a lot of weighted walking yeah and it kind of popped out of nowhere which is usually how things go i mean i make fun of it until it happened to me it's like people say like oh man i don't know how this happened i've done this every day for 10 years i don't know why it's overworked (laughs) you know yeah Um, and i just started off with a slight tightness in my right soleus and then it got worse and worse and worse and it just basically um it's like my body uh easy way to describe it as a very loose ligaments and very tight muscles. So the, my muscles can pull my joints out of place. So I had like a torsion going on my lower, my tibia was rotating one way in my femur. And this is in my good knee, right? So this is like the first real uh, uh, injury, injury I've had in my non-operated knee. And it was really bugging me to the point where I couldn't extend my knee. So I've been spending a lot of time trying to one, figure it out. Like, what's too tight? Like, another guy that's had a huge influence on me is David Weinstock. You know, David Weinstock, neurokinetic therapy.
0: Yeah, actually, I've am i i I've gone to all uh, all of the uh, courses, actually.
1: Oh, man, I love David. Yeah. I've never met him, but I sent like a dozen clients to him. Yeah, I talked to him a lot. I mean, his stuff's brilliant.
0: It, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous uh, how smart that man is. And all mm-hmm. of his, uh, his team of instructors are fantastic. Um, they're uh, Kathy Dooley and, and, uh, rock uh right. rock. Yeah,
1: so I, you know I've been trying to source out like what's what's is it weak is it tight weak is it tight tight what's overworking what's underworking so as to your question yesterday I've been I finally got it figured out to the most part where I'm like 98% the knee works good so yesterday was a heavy swing day so I get up and I make sure that the knee is locking out and then i been applying the uh the ATG principles of like, you know, the elephant walks and the, you know, a, a lot of the detailed stuff, the soleus, the tib raises and stuff like that, which has really helped also. And a lot of the the problem with my knee was literally an overworking of the, the gastroc and the soleus and an underworking of the tip. Okay. So, and it was pulling my knee, you know, my, my tibia into flexion. My hamstring was over contracting and the knee wasn't locking out. So anyhow, yesterday, I just went through that. I get on the ball, I get on the uh, the foam roller, I take the lacrosse the, the balls and I check all these different spots. Anything that's, that's tight and it's not allowing movement. I do that. Um, and then, you know, then I get ready for the workout, did the workout. And then afterwards I just kind of reassess afterwards what gets tight from the workout. So yesterday was, you know, 48 kill swings um, and the split squats and some shoulder work. Um, and that's pretty much how my day goes. I always start with mobility. Most of the time, I work out in the afternoon. Yes, mm-hmm. Saturdays is like my day, so I get to work out first. So it was basically mobility work, release work, and then straight into the gym. But most of the time, it's morning mobility work, and I work out um, lunchtime after after my clients. And I but know. I don't do anything after. I mean, I, I I usually don't have the time, so I do my morning stuff, and then after my last client, I headed into the gym. I read or heard
0: somewhere you get up pretty early, right? I get up at 345. That's, yeah, that's 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 even before what I call stupid o'clock. Stupid o'clock means like <laughs> four o'clock. So you're even up before stupid o'clock. Yes, I am. And it yeah, is stupid o'clock. How about when when you go to bed? How much sleep do you get?
1: Um I usually go to bed at eight. Well, now before the time change, typically I go to bed at 8 30. I try to be asleep by nine. Um and I usually take a nap. I just we
0: hour type of thing.
1: Say again, like six or six and a half hours. Yeah. So 9 to 3.30, whatever that is. What is that? 9, 10, 11, 12. Job. Yeah. And then I take an hour nap in the afternoon. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we just got a um, uh, a new puppy, a Rhodesian Ridgeback puppy. That's so one, good I'm good not good sleeping job. as much. And yeah. 2 my naps. <laughs> so um yeah, he's keeping me busy.
0: Be an amazing puppy.
1: Huh? Amazing
0: your dog looks amazing like the oh he's
1: so cute
0: a handsome dog is it a girl or a boy it's a
1: boy and he is he's just so handsome handsome handsome. and what an athlete i mean these dogs are just freakish athletes i mean he's just like comes out of the box just one big muscle that's Um, awesome yeah but so he's kind of wrecking my routine a little bit but yeah but that's my normal routine
0: when's the last time you had a dog never oh nice I got that's two awesome.
1: cats. I've had two cats that are 16 years old, so it's kind of the first experience for tracing me.
0: Well, congratulations on that. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, two Jack Russells and a, and what's called a dorky. So it's a half Yorkie, half hound. So I have <laughs> a dorky. Never, that's awesome. A <laughs> dorky. Yeah, my wife brought it into the relationship. I had two Jack Russells, so uh-huh. it's a crazy household. Um, And now I have. Yeah, I have two kids, and uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. No, but, it's
1: the, the cats and the dogs are, as you imagine, cats and dogs, especially these old cats, right?
0: Yeah, for and sure. Especially,
1: I mean. Yeah, they uh, must be the yeah, a little
0: bit, little bit angry at you, or what?
1: They, they're not happy because, you know, they're like, <laughs> who's this guy sleeping in my bed,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <When's> he leaving? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right, um, I really appreciate the time. Before we go here, I want to get uh, a few other questions off you. Sure. E coat or powder coat of kettlebells. What's your favorite?
1: Powder coat. I, 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 you know, it. I was thinking about that question yesterday when you're. I was thinking about it. I, like, I'm not even sure the difference anymore. It's like so. The one you sent me, the 64 kilo, that's the powder coat, right?
0: You know what? I, I, th- I think I did send you a powder coat because you requested powder coat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Typically, what's the difference? I mean, e coat's a little bit shinier. It's like a little more glossy. Oh.
0: Yeah, like the e coat I they use an electronic or uh, an electric current to help adhere um, the the coating to it. It's a thinner, it's more durable, but it, all e-Code isn't created equally. You have some that look really look like an enamel and that are shiny, and mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of those. Right. Um, they they don't st- have, hold chalk very well, and they yeah, um, that's the, they that to me is slippery. the most
1: important thing is that it holds chalk. Like, I like. I'm not doing much snatching anymore, so I don't really care that it has, you know, like snatching. You gotta if it's too much tooth in there, it rips your hands up. It's not a much, not enough tooth. It's hard to to, to to hold the grip. The most important thing that it holds chalk, um, and your bell holds chalk well. So, but I mean, I guess generally speaking, powder coat. And you gotta remember too. I mean, I got my first bell in two thousand one, and I still have those bells. And the iteration every year that John did with the with the, the models and there was the military grade and this code and this code it's like they went from great to shit to good to okay to great um so it, it just changed so much I mean I really the earlier bells I have now have like no tooth left there's like they hold chalk but they're almost slippery now is are there are you
0: talking about like the old RKC bells? yeah
1: yeah the first iterations like the first from 2001 to 2005. But then he went to the other ones, and some of them are just like I've got a 36 kilo bell that must be an e coat. That's just the paint, it looks like it's painted. It's just terrible, it's shiny, and it just, yeah. There,
0: there's some really crappy e coats that make it look so cheap, but then right. there's really nice. But it's, I, I'm, uh, I like it to have it so it doesn't like chip and all that, but it, it like the coating. If they bang together on an e coat, they really don't chip. Uh, mm. on a powder coat they can chip and rust up, but right. it's a kettlebell. A lot of people are like, I don't give a shit, like it's right, it's a kettlebell. I bang it up, um, but uh, I really do like that, uh, that RKC, like that style of uh, e coat on it. It's uh, it's very nice. Uh,
1: yeah. Cool. The main thing for me is that it, the, the grip it, it has it has a, enough tooth that I could get a good cinch on it and that it had that holds chalk well.
0: Do you ever uh when you're catching the kettlebell in a swing or a snatch, do they does it change so let's just talk about the swing from snatch, does your hand position change? Uh well no, catching- I always try
1: to say dead center. I mean, Tracy does a lot of different off center stuff. She's always done that. I've never done that. I always I always set it up as close as I can to off center. Now sometimes when I, you know, when i'm when i'm transferring these bells, like this the real heavy ones like that 64 whatever i don't always catch it square it can't and so it, yeah. I, it doesn't really now that i've done it enough with i catch it off center it doesn't change things all that much but i try yeah. to keep it as square as i can
0: gotcha yeah i find like when i keep my it's square, it square i it holds my upper body a little bit more square mm-hmm. and if i rotate it in i i'll rotate kind of well,
1: no, comes- I'm not obsessed about that i mean I, strong first and even in rkc they had this this whole idea like you see a lot of people swing with their arm like in strong first now with their arm in in this with the guard position right I'm not to okay. not allow any counter rotation which i think is nuts
0: i don't um, like yeah I don't, i'm not a big fan of it
1: doesn't make any sense to me but, you know there's going to be you don't want to get you know ridiculously torqued although you know let's be honest you look at the best snatch people in the world, they're all GS people. There's not a there's not a hard styler in the world that can hold a candle to a mediocre GS person. Yeah, you know, so and the best GS people are, you know, light years they're all totally different. Huh?
0: It's just so much more efficient, right? It's, right? And there was the whole argument
1: that efficiency equals less power, but it's just not true. I mean, if you're snatching, say you're snatching at 22 reps a minute and you're snatching whatever bell, say it's a 32. And you're snatching thirty, you know, twenty-two reps per minute. If the the time it takes to do twenty-two reps is the same, whether you try to accelerate it faster or slower, the time is the time, the force is the force. So I I came away from that. Now I prefer hard style because I like, I think one GS techniques for my back, the anatomical breathing, which is really the essence of GS, right? Nobody's doing a hundred snatches on one hand, hard style. It, it's impossible. Okay, you have to exhale at the bottom, and if you exhale at the bottom, it changes it. I did a test years ago with with my heart rate, where it brought my heart rate down fifteen beats per second. I mean per minute huh. by anatomical breathing. When you hold your breath, you increase pressure. Pressure increases tension. Tension increases heart rate.
0: Could you explain that for everybody? Uh, just sure. the Anatomical breathing between the, the different breathing between the heart cells. Right. So if you're yeah. just
1: imagine you're swinging. And in the backswing, when the bell goes behind you in heart style, you hold your breath, just like in the bottom of a barbell squat, you'd hold your breath. And now um, that's biomechanical match where the the breath matches the intended force. You want really high force production. You hold your breath in the bottom in the backswing snatch clean swing, whatever. Now, anatomical breathing is natural breathing. So if you think of bending over, you're compressing your lungs, you're compressing your diaphragm. Excuse me, the natural thing would be to exhale. You're squeezing all the air out. Then you stand up and you going
0: into flexion fl- and then exhale.
1: Right. And yeah. then when you go into extension, you go inhalation when your lungs are open. That makes the most sense anatomically. But less force, like the, the example everybody gets like, okay, put, put a heavy squat bar together, get under a heavy squat bar. Go down and exhale. Don't look like you crazy. I'll kill myself. <laughs> That's exactly people get it right away. Like you, whenever you want to create tension or force, you in, hold your breath. Now, if you're going to try to do that for high repetitions, it makes no sense because it's 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 going to create much higher heart rates. So the, the essence of GS, besides the technical differences, it really comes down to anatomical breathing. If you anatomically breathe with um, Heart style technique, you can get really good results. Much better results with snatch test because you're not your heart rate's going to be lower and your respiration's going to be lower.
0: Yeah, I've I've done a little bit, but it was still biomechanical breathing, but like uh, double inhale and double exhale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit different, but I, I have never tried the anatomical breathing with the heart style swing. I have I haven't tried the gejir. Like I'm a novice at GS, I haven't touched it. It's something I want to dabble in. Like I do some like like 20 rep clean and jerks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't set the timer for five or 10 minutes and go at it. Um,
1: One of the things that Pavel said in the early days, and I think it's hundred percent correct. is like when the, they're doing military because snatch and jerk, there's used for military training, right? Mainly in the beginning and the, whoever were the instructors or the, the, the concept of the day was like, if you can do once you could do 50 reps in a snatch per arm, more is not better. You're, then you get into real specialized variety where to go from 50 to 100 reps per arm in a snatch, then you have to start playing with grip and really esoteric techniques. And I think you and you can build up to 50 and 50 hard style with uh, with snatch and, and you're going to accomplish 99% of all you can accomplish, right? Like somebody says like, oh, I'm going to go jogging and I'm going to jog 30 minutes a week, 30 minutes a day, three times a week right there, you're going to get 90% of the benefits of aerobic exercise. So then you're going to go on to an hour. And for every minute, you go from 30 minutes to an hour, you hit rate of diminishing returns. Like in the first 30 minutes, for every minute you get in, you get a minute of benefit from 30 to 60 minutes for every minute you get in, you get like a 10th of a second of benefit just doesn't pay off. And it's the same with, you know, super high reps on anything. But that notwithstanding, if somebody wants to do like when I coach people to do um, pass their snatch sets, I always have them try to do anatomical breathing. It's so much easier, and there's no rule against it, right? For me, I can't do it because my back was so unstable, and still relatively, is I had a L four L five herniation. Since so those yeah. those are the gifts that keep on giving.
0: It would help to brace when you're holding your breath in that bottom. The so only way I could
1: do it, I tried many many times to do um, GS style because I love the idea of competing in that but I can't, my back just, I always end my hurts. Yeah. So I have to hard style breathe because it's protective and it is absolutely safer. Um, absolutely. Is it efficient for high reps? No. Is it efficient for
0: low reps? Yes. So again, you know. It's interesting. Use the right tool for the job. That's right. It is a tool and you can you pull it out when you need it, uh, right. which is pretty cool. Um, So you already covered the point: single arm swings over two handed for your asymmetrical. Well, here's
1: here's the thing. With let me one more point about that about two hand swings. Two hand swings are the easiest and the hardest swing. So it's the easiest swing because it's the most stable and symmetrical. You bring your whole body into it. It's the hardest swing because if you're going to do high reps, there's nowhere to there's no rest. There's no rest for your grip. There's no rest for your back. There's no rest for anything. So like in the original Simple and Sinister book, Pavel had this um, wrestling a kettlebell challenge. Is it 100? So, a hundred? A hundred two hand swing, heart style, two hand swings. Yeah. I only know one person to finish it and that's Levi. And that was with the 48 kilo, right? Right. Yeah. Now, first off, it's impossible to do a hundred heart style in a row. Nobody, mm-hmm. even Levi couldn't do heart style. That means anatomical breathing, maximum force. That's it. It's literally impossible, but a hundred reps with a 48 to a height of a standard swing. I only know Levi can do that because it's, he's so a,
0: huge. he's my he, man is, uh, he's,
1: he's not legend. a human.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's like, he, he's not human. Yeah. Um,
1: Same but way to that point, when you get to that level of swings, like one arm swings, you can switch, you can transfer. It gives you a rest. Yeah. So it's the hardest swing and, and, the, and it's the easiest swing to learn. And the hardest swing to do if you're really challenging yourself. Cause there's no rest in the mix, you know? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's I uh, I haven't done a lot of high rep, uh, or a lot of volume of, of uh, single arm swings heavy. So I, I think that I'm going to give that a go and, uh, see what you're going through. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just like, you know, when I,
1: when I started doing this, I was training for the snatch test and my whole thing, if I've got to do a hundred for the test, I, I need to be able to do 200 easily in the workout and yeah. that's came from my running background like every runner when i was a runner back in the day marathon runners they all ran 100 plus miles a week it's a 20 mile race so you want to be able to do easily double or in running triple the distance right so mm-hmm. you have a reserve so for i applied that to the snatches if i got to do 100 and i mean my wife does a you know 200 that's her warm-up before her workout
0: you know i was gonna <laughs> on tracy so i what do you think uh attributes to her success uh and just excelling at uh at endurance uh activities with kettlebell he's
1: another freak i mean to be honest (laughs) Um, she's just i mean literally i showed her you know her weight loss story right i do yeah i i saw that she picked up the kettlebell app she figured she had to do some resistance training and didn't want to do bodybuilding weightlifting so i and i was a kettlebell guy I showed her the swing once. I showed her how to do a swing once. Literally, she said, "Get out." You know, I'll, I'll I'll do it. She took to it like a duck to water, and the same with the snatch. I showed her how to do the snatch once. She did it perfect. And it's like, and it's literally—I mean, she has a gift. I mean, another she just, person.
0: You guys were meant to be together because <laughs> you guys just were uh, like pick up kettlebells. No one just picks up kettlebells like that. Uh, no, she just has 20. a
1: gift. I mean, she's yeah. just and she's all self-taught, and her style is a hybrid style i mean she's done i mean somebody just said a, a guinness book a woman just said a guinness book of world records uh for how many snatches lifted in an hour and i told her and she's like that's no big deal like the big deal is get, i mean it is a big deal but i mean she can do a thousand snatches and she did 600 snatches in 30 minutes for um without putting it down for the uh for the candidate for master sport two years ago with the 16. Wow. that's six snatch tests in a row back to back That's crazy. And that included another how many transfers was it? Like she transferred it. So it was like another hundred something. So she did like 700 snatches and swings in 30 minutes. That's crazy. With it is crazy. I mean, but she does it's
0: wild. Like I'm trying to think of like I I uh the snatch test, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Uh, when i first started well i have a
1: hate hate relationship with it yeah
0: (laughs) i hate it i've started to get better at it because i've been training uh into my weakness a little bit there and and working on it Uh, a lot of it was my grip i have a small hand and uh like the way i gripped it i was just over gripping it and i didn't feel like i could actually basically i I pretty much had too much of a heavy weight for, for that session it comes down to that i was probably catching it, uh, over gripping. It is too heavy. Uh, I didn't gotta mess with the difference. GS people.
1: Um, um, what's it called Excel? I mean, they make an art of the grip and not touching the bell and barely holding on. Say, like what are
0: your, what are, what are your, what is your expertise on? Uh, do you train it? Do you do a full grip, uh, any part of the snatch or do you skip right over the callus? And hook Oh, it? I
1: mean, I spear the hand to catch it here. I, I've always had try to catch it like a GS guy with a handle at, at an angle. I never try to go flat parallel. And then when I hop it overhead, I hop it right to the hook. Yeah. And then I spear it to there. So I try to touch the bell as little as possible on the way up and on the way
0: down. Ballistic. You don't need to touch it. Well spirit. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's really interesting. So I definitely have started uh playing around with that and just focusing a lot on uh on catching it and this is maybe not the best. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, advise it for many people, but I was trying, um, and I was wondering if you ever do any, any work, uh, and use the, the chalk as like a stimulus. Uh, do you ever unchalk I things? The to it so difficult? Do that.
1: They do glove snatches and stuff like that? It's like, yeah. I mean, I chalk up to brush my teeth, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I basically, you know, I'm Jewish, but I was baptized in chalk. I've been using chalk since I was 14 every day. So it's yeah. like chalk's like a fetish for me. I, I just, it's yeah. part of the ritual. I, I,
0: man, I, put, I saw, I saw a really funny video the other day and it was just like tag that guy. And then there's this like, then this guy with chalk and he's just putting chalk on everything where he goes. And that's, that's basically you, I guess. Yeah. Like yeah.
1: everybody in my gym knows, like, you know, if you break the chalk brick, you gotta leave the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, by the way, honey. Yeah. yeah. She broke the chalk brick. She gets it. She gets oh, a pass, yeah. but it's like i mean it pisses me off i want that chalk brick to go like a bar of soap you know yeah that's nice that's awesome but so um, i don't do that i like you know i mean gymnastics between gymnastics and powerlifting, um it was just chalk chalk chalk, chalk. and then kettlebells is like chalk 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 so
0: i have a funny story about chalk i, have, I was teaching a kettlebell camp at good life uh here in, in ontario and i had this older gentleman he's like 70 years old he's doing some swings he was using some chalk, and he's he picked up the chalk, and I said to him, "He's like, where do I put it now?" I'm just like, just throw it, throw it down. So he literally just threw the chalk right on the ground. He didn't put it back in the chalk bowl. He just threw it right <laughs> on the ground. It was good stuff. So brought back a funny memory there. Uh, okay, so athletic hinge versus uh more of a, a true like hip hinge. Uh, getting- yeah, that was a that
1: was a big discovery for me um when I was training for the 48 kilo swing test. So I I don't remember when I did that. It was my 60th birthday. I think it was my no. I can't remember what year. But I was training for a birthday challenge basically, and I wanted to you know every I, I wanted to do this this swing test right. So I I did it with the uh, started the 36. First I did it with the the, um, the 32.
0: How'd you and find then, your test weight? Huh? How'd you find your test weight? Like how'd you find the weight to start at? Well, I, I did,
1: I was with strength matters for a couple of years before I came back to strong first and, and we did a, uh, instead of a snatch test, we had a 10 minute swing test. Ooh. Yeah. Based on, yeah, it's, it was brutal because I didn't want, I wanted it more user friendly. Like a lot of people don't want to do the snatch test. Don't want to cert because they don't want to. The snatch is a technical exercise to learn. So a lot of people didn't want to certify because they knew they couldn't do the snatch test. So I thought, let's have a swing test. Let's make it so it's trainable. Like anybody could train up to do this. Like the women's snatch test, I mean, swing test was 24 kilo and the men's was of 32 and it was 10 minutes. Uh, basically is like a swing VO two. So 10 reps in 15 seconds, 15, just basically what simple and sinister test is right. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes, 10 seconds on, I'm sorry, 15 seconds on 15 seconds off switch hands. And so we had strength matters so it was a swing test in 32 kilo and it was a 10 minute test. So I knew I could do that because I did it because I had to do it because I was, I was the one coming up with the test. Right.
0: It was that single arm.
1: Yeah. So it's 10 reps, you know, right. Put it down. 10 reps left. 10 sets, 200 reps in 10 minutes. And it's a hard freaking test with a 32.
0: That would be hard.
1: <laughs> so that was but surprisingly lots of people because it's trainable. You know, it's 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 part of the thing is it's trainable and you can learn it pretty easy. So I knew I did that. So then I did it with the 36 and then I did it with the 40. And when I did it with the 40, I was like, yeah, the 40 was like, I didn't know if I could get past it. Then I did it with a 44 and after I did it with the 44, I was pretty sure I could never do it with the 48. It was almost so, so horribly hard. Um, and then I started training with the 48 to try and I, I'll train it. And then I, I would, I was doing 10 sets of 10 and 10 every week with the 48 kilo. And I would just hit a wall, like eighth rep, eighth, eighth rep was all the second arm. The first set of 10 was fine. Left arm second set hit a wall at eight. And then the, um, eighth set, I was just hitting a wall because there was so much load on my I was Cause I was doing a pure hinge. Hmm. And that's when I realized that if I were to, I called it in the beginning the "ba boom." I'd sit hinge back and "ba boom." It's like sitting into my legs, right? I needed like you ski. No, I don't. Okay, so either do I, but I, I I've watched skiers and you know I surfed and I skateboarded. It's where you're like if you imagine, you see these guys skiing moguls, right? And they're shock absorbing.
0: Absolutely. And that's how I
1: thought of it. It's like push my hips back, shock absorb back, shock absorb. And once I did that, um, it was a game changer because what would happen on the swing test, I would just hit a wall where my lower back and hamstrings and glutes were just, there's no more power there. And I was not using, I was purposely not using my thighs, my legs, which really, if you think about it, makes no sense. Mm -hmm. You, You know, you're taking a major muscle group out of this major compound exercise.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, when you're uh, so you're loading up the knee more, letting the knee go forward a little bit more, and then no, the the athletic hinge
1: is is that I mean I do that now personally, but the athletic hinge is traditional hinge. Your hips go back, and at the end of the, the the termination of the backswing, instead of just extending your hips, that's when you dip and kind of shock absorb with your legs.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you still get uh, the, the the hip hinge, but you're going to let the leg you're going to sink into your knees a bit.
1: Right. So it starts and finish like a traditional hinge. Yeah. But after the, at the
0: end of the hinge at the sit, of the hinge,
1: you bounce, essentially sit into your legs and just use your thighs more to help accelerate the hips and oh, man, yeah. that made all the difference. I mean, I don't claim to have met the standard because you know, the height of the bell was not high enough, but I did it. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, hundred reps of the 48 at 60 something years old. Um, and it was, one of the most miserable experiences I, I can't imagine doing that <laughs> and it was that's after, I well think it was after that,
0: that's it awesome was
1: after my knee replacement let me actually look hold on a second can you still see me I can oh, but yeah. your
0: blog um your consistency holy that's uh just like your training right
1: well it's going on 18 years
0: I don't know when, that's awesome that?
1: so May 2004 so it's this 2004 yeah it's going on 18 years. That's um stay so consistent with it, you just do it right. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I don't know how to do anything else. So let me, I mean, I I would just well, let me see that was 48 kilo. Hopefully this doesn't turn on. I'll turn it off. It does. Hold on. Yeah, that was March in 2017. So it was my birthday. Um, so 2017, that's three, four years ago. So I was 61. Um awesome. <laughs> I yeah, I always set these crazy, I try to do something for my birthday challenge. But the blog, I, I mean, I've kept training logs since I was a bodybuilder. I mean, I have training logs that go back to, you know, the 80s. And then I was keeping both the training, my paper log. And then when I got onto the Internet in, you know, in, in early ni- late 90s, and then the, the webs, I was on the web, you know, the, the, the forums and things like that. I was just blogs came in, I was keeping a blog. And I was keeping them both paper and electronic. It's like, why am I doing both? Just go to the blog. Yeah. And now it's like nobody reads it, but I don't, it's just for me.
0: It's really neat. I like it a lot. And I, all you read it. Thank you. <laughs> I like it a lot. I, I go into it and I, I just want to kind of uh, see your progressions. And it's, it's really neat. I was just uh, researching a little bit before we had our, our podcast interview today. Um, just found it very interesting. Um, that's fantastic. Uh that's a long time to be doing that. Do you that uh, is that every day?
1: Um well, I have oh. I always blog my workout, so it's three training workouts and two rucking workouts, so it's 5 days a week.
0: So, that's fantastic.
1: It's just a habit now. I if I don't do it, it sure I feel is. weird. Huh?
0: Yeah, I bet. That's a long time of doing that. Uh, uh another question here for you. Large window versus small window. What uh what are your feelings upon those? You know, a lot of that
1: one I I don't I I don't want to i want a medium window like the large window I, I can't use them they it just puts i have super long arms so if i have a long window it puts the center of mass of the belt too far away from me and if it's too close you know it's going to hit too low on the hand for presses it's just like it's goldilocks for me it's got to be just right like you and i'm you it's know I grew up,
0: huh? sorry for interrupting
1: you go ahead Oh, just, I grew up with the, whatever the RKC style bell was, I just adapted to that. That became, that became normal for me. So anything that deviates too far from that, that window, that the original thing came out with doesn't feel right.
0: Right. It's funny because my first, uh, import of kettlebells, I, uh, the windows were fairly large,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I the exact specs, but they were a large window and, uh, and I could do a Turkish guy, I have no problem with 56 it was right. easy peasy. and then my new bells come in and i sold the the originals and then uh, i pick I get to my 56 and tried doing it and i couldn't do it
1: yeah because the center of mass is
0: three yeah. inches higher yeah exactly um but my goal um at the end like at some point is i want to have uh options for all the different sizes of kettlebells so nice. that's that's what i want to have i want to be like the go-to store for the kettlebells and you can figure uh, i love your
1: belt the The only thing i don't love is how wide it is for me
0: yeah, that's funny because that would, that ball specifically was designed, um, just for pressing basically. Right. And it wasn't designed with your favorite exercise in mind. Right. Um, and that's pretty neat though, because like, uh, it just brings me into wanting to have a lineup and maybe like three or four different sizes of, uh, handle designs for one kettlebell. Yeah. Um, I mean, I
1: could see for pressing and it's the same thing. like whatever tool you use, it's going to be maximum. You're using maximum weights. You want to, you know,
0: well, that's exactly it. It's her, It's not for everybody because a lot of people say it's, it's a kettlebell, just give me right. a kettlebell, but right. some people that really want to get strong in a certain movement can apply uh, the, uh, a certain window height, but it, it's a little bit different though, because a lot of people want to have that same consistent feel when they, they're touching something, but at a certain bell, that really small window or whatever that window it's is, not gonna it's gonna not going to work. Well, it's the
1: same thing the original the original gs bells they had a 30 millimeter uh handle it's like tiny so it minimizes the grip i don't know what the thickness is now i think now competition is 33 millimeters um mm. circumference so that's yeah, a big yeah. difference like the 33 millimeter circumference it's almost like a 24 kilo heart style bell thickness yeah i don't see the advantage to having you know i like i have a fedorenko gs 16 kilo bell with a 30 millimeter belt handle and it's like a 12 kilo handle for you know like a girl's handle bell yeah and it's great because it's tiny it's so thin for snatching and high rep snatching It allows
0: a larger window right so it'll feel it'll feel a little a lot of uh where it sits on the back of the hand right Uh, it's very interesting but that's why i i wanted to to Design those bells with it because at that point I actually had a goal of doing a get up with the 72. I got a thing with get ups, it's funny because you hate them and I love them. Um,
1: <laughs> people yeah. either love them or hate it, like Levi just loves the get up, right?
0: Yeah,
1: I, has all your bells. What's his name again? Not Colin, it's like your name,
0: uh, Zach Kirschner. Zach
1: Kirschner, yeah, uh, he's a monster. God, he's, another is, freak.
0: he's like you, he's Mr. Consistent. <laughs> um, he, he he's uh, he never misses a beat there. Um, he's uh quite the machine um but uh yeah those were built specifically for kind of my goal in mind i will revisit it at one point possibly but (laughs) i'm okay for now um i got a thing with get ups like a lot of people like i uh, i go against the grain here and i actually i wouldn't do this with my clients but i actually do like high repetitions Uh of get ups and i really i I think
1: that's a really appropriate thing i mean i you know i not well i mean you might do stupid high reps but
0: yeah, like mm-hmm. I'll I'll uh I'll do 30. Uh I've done 30 uh, 60 get ups in 30 minutes uh with with a, like a 48. Like it's it's getting up That's there. Crazy. Yeah. So it's it is getting up crazy there. Crazy good. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot. Um it's like nonstop just up up and down with the bell for 30 minutes. Well, even now with
1: people, when I train people with the get ups, I mean the fashion now is to do singles. But i i think i've always started off you can't do five with the weight you don't need you can't go to the next weight right do five and yeah, five.
0: yeah. I, I i just do i i i enjoy it it's uh it's like a fight in my head uh hold mm-hmm. the bell um it's it's interesting well you can apply that to anything if you just stand right. right yeah but the it's,
1: thing is you find out what suits you find yeah. out what suits you and you really like yep and those are the things like if I would, if you, you forced me to do, well, I dropped a lot of exercises that either showed that they hurt me or really didn't like doing them. And I just winnowed it down to the stuff that proves that it's not going to hurt me, that I really enjoy. And I feel like I can progress that. It's easier to keep going rather than the for Like I can't do pull-ups anymore. My shoulders, every time I can do pull-ups, but then it wrecks my shoulder for weeks because mm-hmm. it over tightens my terrorist major, blah, blah, blah. But um, I just, I, fought against i i'm trying to make myself do them for years and it's like why am i beating myself up just
0: why am i doing that it's funny i was gonna ask you i'm like you we um do you double down on your weaknesses or do you double down on your strengths
1: well all my career i doubled down on my weaknesses that was the major you know train your train your weakness compete your strengths right so everything like when i was a bodybuilder i came from gymnastics so my upper body was great had no legs so i trained my legs like a madman even with a really bad knee and then when i was a power lifter this is the same way like i had a really good bench i mean i benched 435 at 181 in competition in a three lift meet clean that's
0: incredible like you weigh like 170 pounds
1: i weighed 181 at that time
0: okay oh and you're that's a little right. bit more now uh, i weigh 175 176 now um that's incredible because I'm, I'm a similar stature. I put on a little bit of weight over the last year, but, uh, I, I, I normally sit around 175 and I'm like five, six. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I can, yeah, I, I was just putting that into perspective. And that was without
1: focusing on it. So yeah. I changed squat and deadlift cause they, they were really weak and bench doesn't really make much difference in your total. But when I got in, then I did kettlebells and I always did what was my weakness. And then after I finished all that, I thought, you know, that's why I'm doing all this barbell pressing. Because I I finally got to my shoulder where I could do something with my upper body, I thought you know I'm gonna I'm gonna finally give let my, give myself permission to train a strength. Yeah. You know instead of always hammering on my weaknesses and I I like I still squat but I don't lift I don't load the squat it's all for mobility and all the stuff that I do that that are my weaknesses. Um, I'm all, I'm much more concerned with you know, functional, being able to ruck, like go out, you know, you know, put a 50 pound ruck on and walk for two hours and be able to squat down naturally and easily without pain. And, you know, I have fun with the one arm swings and the presses, but if any of those started hurting me, I drop them like a rock. Yeah. I'm not, my most important thing is, is being pain-free.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And that's, that's what it's about. I'm, I'm all about wanting to enjoy my life for as long as possible and not have uh any physical limitations uh hold me back yeah and i'm
1: old dude i mean i'm old i'm 60 i'm gonna be 60 i'm getting medicare next year so but, <laughs> you know it's like it's it's a realistic thing it's like you know i'm old so it's yeah. like i've done what i've done i don't need to i don't need you know with the, with the press aside i mean i really enjoy the press but outside of that i don't need to prove myself anymore you know yeah I mean? yeah well, i don't know anybody that can swing the, the bells at my age or my weight like i'm swinging it
0: no, that's fantastic. I, uh, I'm going to have to be looking at those logs and uh, taking some notes, that's for sure.
1: It's um, just slow, steady progressions. You know, and thing is on my blog, I have all the buildups to everything. I mean, it took me years and years and years, literally, you know, to get to that level. It, it didn't happen overnight. I had a really very slow ramps up, you know, and then we did all that snatch field too. Remember uh, Kenneth Jay's um, max field two snatching? No, I do not. Oh, that was a big thing. He had the Viking warrior conditioning book that came out in, I don't know, mid 2000s. Oh, dude, it's, it became a thing. Basically that was the essence is, you know, seven reps, you know, 16 kilo bell, seven reps per arm, 15 seconds, 15 seconds rest. And then the other arm that became the essence of what simple and sinister the time is 15 on 15 off. And the goal was to work up originally to 50 sets, of of eight and then he changed it to 80 sets of eight so it wow. took me i don't know how many years i mean i ended up doing 80 sets of eight with a 16 kilo tracy did 65 sets of eight with a 16 kilo um, and she would do max vo2 snatching i mean it became a real kind of a base of her training of uh, one-to-one like 15 on 15 off and it, i still love it i mean the, i do swing vo2 work you know 10 reps i switch from snatching the swings But same thing, 15 on, 15 off, which again became the time focus of simple and sinister swings Mm -hmm. and sets, you know, I mean, when I did 80 sets of eight, it's 40 minutes of snatching without moving, you know, 80 sets of eight. That's a lot. Oh, my God. Well, Kenneth's protege, who's a Olympic level wrestler, Marco Madsen, who still competes now in the UFC, did 80 sets of eight with a 24 kilo after a wrestling practice which I still don't think is, I don't believe that's humanly possible, but he did it incredible. Yeah. No, in terms of conditioning and, and power and that to me, the thing I liked about it, it was, I only had to use the 16. Yeah. So I, I mean, at that point, I, at that point when I was training that, I'd look at something sideways, I'd get hurt. I was getting hurt all the time before my knee replacement. I was still, at that point I was so imbalanced. So it was, um, It was good for me because i could go light and still get a great workout Mm -hmm. really i mean my heart rate on a on a normal snatch vo2 workout would be literally and i'm not between 185 this is measured between 185 and 205 for 30 minutes
0: yeah it's uh it's a pretty amazing when i was doing the uh i don't know uh, the actual stats on it but i was looking at my heart rate monitor uh when i was doing my get-ups and it's uh it's pretty amazing amazing what my heart rate was sustaining yeah. Uh those bouts of the get up for the half an hour. It's uh it's spiking up there. Even though it's a, a, a very much a grind, it was uh it was giving me the heart rate of a ballistic well, there's
1: this, yeah, so there's a lot of tension in that. Yeah. That's my boy, he's yelling. yeah.
0: <laughs> enough. Um top uh can you give me your top three yeah. rehab tips for somebody with clunky shoulders? Oh, that, can
1: you take him outside for I got a couple of minutes? Um, I'm sorry. Say it again. Tips for something about shoulder? Uh,
0: tip. Uh, top uh, three tips uh, for clunky shoulder. Someone has uh, just clunky shoulder, What would you tell them? If okay. So that yeah, is- real, real yeah.
1: important thing is the first thing is you have to release. The first thing is myofascial release. You got to release. Usually it's the pec minor, the teres major, and the latissimus. So you got to roll those out. Okay. Usually they're tight and they're they're keeping they're not keeping the shoulder centrated. So, if the pec major, pec minor, usually it's pec minor, but it's hard to, you know, pec, pec, release the pec, the terrace major, and the lats with either foam rollers or, you know, lacrosse ball or some type of rolling.
0: I think David Weinstock refers to that as the upper cluster fuck.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it really is. I mean, it, it, I don't know anybody that has a bad shoulder, even normal shoulders. You touch them and they, they jump. It's, it's always, it's always facilitated. It's always lit up. Um, that's the first thing the second thing i don't know if you've seen the drill i do with the still rings or the trx it's a shoulder mobility drill that just takes it through range of motion being able to move your arm and activate your shoulder your mid trap without bending your elbow like everybody goes here and then the elbow bend. so straight arm shoulder work
0: so you so you do self-myofascial release first loosen right. things up so you can then exploit that new uh Range of motion right. that you have, and kind of retrain. Right, so release the
1: tension, release the resistance, and then incorporate it into a pattern.
0: Yep. And kind it can be re-training.
1: a stick drill. It doesn't have to be rings, but an overhead stretch, raising the stick without the stick, without your traps rising up. So yep. that's the the second thing is some type of pattern drill for shoulder. Like if you can bring your arms to 70 degrees, that's whatever you can bring, and you're working that, making sure that the elbows stay straight, and the traps stay low.
0: Yeah, because most if
1: you as soon as the elbow bends, the biceps taking over for the scapula because the scapula's got to move. That's mm. the real key to cl- non-clunky shoulders. That's what nobody ever. So you've heard of lumbo pelvic. That.
0: Uh, sorry, that's funny. The, the scap uh, the scap only is kind of hanging out there on the back and only attaches to the sternoclavicular joint. So it's all like to the. the
1: well, bottom. but think about this. It, that's true, but it's not true. Your scapula, the way I think about it, your scapula is your shoulder socket.
0: Oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it.
1: Humeral, uh, the glenohumeral um, socket is at the end of the scapula. So Great. for all intent and purpose, your scapula is your shoulder socket.
0: I've never thought of it that way. but I know, a, but once you right. think of it that way, you
1: realize if the, if the scapula doesn't articulate, that's what keeps, you know, yeah. if you think of the, the shoulder well, socket as a golf time. ball, and the shoulder, and the, sho- the shoulder joint, uh, the humerus head as the the golf ball, and the socket as the tee. You got to keep the tee on the ball as it moves, and if it does it, that's what causes the bicep impingement. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that uh, kind of way of looking at the shoulder. Yeah, because um, it's
1: not really a socket. Like you know, you think of the hip socket. The hip socket is a deep socket. The the, the 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 shoulder joint, the shoulder socket is essentially like a little teacup
0: yeah and then the, that's the labrum that kind of extends it a little bit on both sides a little bit yeah right? i don't have
1: a labrum on this side yeah. so i don't remember that yeah, one that was what
0: I said, and then the other
1: one is that. you know rear delts and and um uh, rear delts and side delts you know medial deltoid work and posterior deltoid work basically pull aparts and side races once i started incorporating them in again my shoulders got 100 percent better
0: that's cool i think the key thing overall for anybody is to move and get your joint in a more centrated position.
1: And, and just understanding that concept.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's really interesting because there's, like you said, there's more than one way to, uh, to get the job done. Um, and that's, that's just, it's interesting. Um, uh, I've and also of-
1: understanding that the shoulder, you have to have mobility in that frontal plane. Everybody thinks about shoulder mobility in, in the sagittal plane,
0: mm-hmm. but really
1: you've got to have it, it's gotta be released in that frontal plane hmm. So if you're just always thinking about right, right there, and that's where people get hung up. That's where yeah. I use it. Too. Cause as the hand goes up, the traps got to go down and the shoulders mm. the scaps got to rotate down and that's that humorous. Otherwise you get bicep impingement.
0: Yep. That's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. If the well, I'll send you, I'll send
1: you my. Um, it's the, just like
0: you just made a really good point there. Like if something's blocking, it's this isn't moving, and this is coming up. Like of course you're going to impinge there because it needs. And there's to, no space. I mean, how yeah. much
1: space is there between the head of the humerus and the AC joint? None. Yeah. Perfect. So
0: what were we well, it's got to
1: follow it, right? It's got to follow it. If it stays here and it moves up, it's what's, it's going to do. It's going to hit the roof of the shoulder.
0: That's right. And then all the muscles hanging around the, the neck and the, and the shoulder all get like tight. attention and relationship to keep everything yeah. and sliding and gliding in harmony,
1: right? Sliding and gliding. Exactly. That's that's it in a nutshell.
0: That's pretty cool. I like it. Um, that's really good stuff that, uh, that you went over today. I, I was wondering how, how fast I was going to talk to her today. I think I did okay. Yeah. Um, Got off topic. I'm usually the fast talker, huh? My, uh, my brain is like a Ferrari, like with somebody with ADHD driving it. Like, (laughs) yeah, like that's what my brain is. I've always been, I
1: I, I understand.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm very, I did, I'm at a standing desk right now. I'm standing up right now. You probably saw me fishing (laughs) always. That's right. When I do my work, I, I have a standing desk for my work too. Perfect. Um, thank you very much for taking the time today uh, Mark, and uh, having the chat with me. I really, greatly appreciate it. Um, one last question before we sign off here, um, mobility and flexibility. What's the difference to you?
1: Um, mobility, flexibility is the, the ability of the muscles to express their full length. Mobility is, is control and strength of the joints through a range of motion. That's really a good way of putting it because flexibility, like if, if, okay, say your arm only opens up as the muscles are too tight. You're not, the muscles won't allow, they're not flexible enough to allow the full extension or the full flexion of the joint Mm -hmm. now. So you have, once you have the flexibility of the muscle tissue, the mobility is to take the joint through that range of motion, but with essentially stability and control strength. Yep. So you may have the flexibility. You think of a, you know, a yogi who's got total loose joints, but no strength in that mobili- in, in that range of motion of the joint. So it's motor control through a range of motion is what I consider mobility. And flexibility really just refers to, you know, uh, the length of the tissue. That was the thing with Paul Chex. Um, The assessment is based around his comparative range of motion assessment. People don't even think about this every joint has a normal range of motion like you should have like your knee should bend 130 uh flexion 135 degrees and you should have 180 degrees of extension of the knee joint so if you can't bend your knee if you can only bend your knee like i could for only many years 90 degrees that's a jacked up joint it's not it doesn't have the full range of motion so kelly Steart says you know healthy joint has full flexion and full extension with a little bit extra. Like you should be able to overstretch the joint in both directions with no pain. Mm-hmm. So the thing you're looking for is when I stretch in the morning, I'm looking. is like, are my ankles, can I take my ankles through normal range of motion? Full, you know, 15 degrees of dorsiflexion and, you know, 90 degrees of uh, plantar flexion. All the joints, can I bend them? Do they bend, like, say my left foot dorsiflexes this much and my right one doesn't? That's a problem. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to load it, right, and I don't have normal dorsiflexion or my knee only bends this much, my knee bends this much on this side and bends all the way in that way, it's imbalanced. So you're for looking sure. for normal joint ranges of motion. Every day, cold,
0: right? If you get out of bed and you can't put your arms over your head, it's a problem. Yeah, that's important. Uh It's going to be a lot different cold than uh, than warmed up and just after – Movement. well look at most people like i i do this all the time with my clients it's like you know
1: everybody's hamstrings like normal range of motion for hamstring Lie on your back is like at least 70 degrees most people will get you know 45 degrees on one and 20 degrees on their left one for whatever reason yeah So if you go to try to hinge and you your hamstrings run out of room you can't hinge or you can't squat mm-hmm. and one side's tighter than the other you're going to shift you're going to have torsion you have a little bit of rotation yeah
0: unequal loading
1: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, and that's that. Uh, over
0: time, you know,
1: you can't you can't take a credit card and snap it, but if you bend it enough, it'll tear.
0: And right when I was going to be ending the podcast, I started harassing Mark about his overuse injury on his calf. So I'll save you that, and I've edited that, edited that out. Um, so I want to thank everybody for listening today. I want to thank Mark for ha- giving his time and uh, doing this podcast with us. I got a lot out of it. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did too. I will have links for many of the things related to what we spoke about today in the description of the podcast. So again, my name is Colin Lake, and I appreciate everyone listening.